everyone. Thank you for joining me today. You are listening to Throne Room Encounters. My name is Ashley Catois. In the last few months, I have been praying about a way to tell about all God has done for me and my own personal Throne Room Encounters. An encounter is to meet unexpectedly a chance meeting. This is exactly what a Throne Room Encounter is, that moment when God steps into the room and the atmosphere changes. Join me each week as I talk about miracles, healing, answered prayers, promises from God, and so much more. Hello everyone, it's a Monday night after prayer meeting for me. Um, Actually, that's when I wrote this. I wrote most of it the week before that, but this is actually a Sunday night. And um, I just haven't had a chance to record it since I finished writing it on Monday night of last week. But it was a beautiful day on that Thursday, and it rained on that Monday. And today, it's been a really beautiful day again. So, um, I wrote this one and then felt God leading me in another direction. So, I hope everyone enjoyed last week. Um, I had so much fun recording it with my bestie. It was the longest one I've ever recorded. If I could put an emoji here, it would probably be the one with the eyes covered or the big-eyed one. We always have so much to talk about. Laugh out loud. We spend a lot of time talking. And um, we actually talked earlier in the week about how hard the holidays are for singles. And so I thought it might be good to get together and talk about ways to help others find contentment during this time and learn the ways to help them during the waiting season. So that's what we did last week. So I hope it was a blessing to everyone. Um, A couple of episodes before that one, I talked about promises from God and I was going over my notes for this week and I found a list of scriptures I'd written down and not even sure when I wrote them down. But right in the middle of them, I wrote, The promises of God are released to those who live in prayerful intimacy with Him. And the scripture I wrote right above it is Romans eight twenty six through 28 This is a very familiar passage of scripture. It says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches for the saints according to the will of God... And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. And this passage of scripture is, it's pretty powerful. It's talking about praying in the spirit and how when we get in one mind with God, healing takes place, lives are changed, promises are given. I think the main thing about this quote that caught my attention was the prayerful intimacy part. And the word intimacy means feeling of being close and emotionally connected and supported. Being able to share a whole range of thoughts, feelings, and experiences that we have. And prayerful intimacy is making a connection with God. It's the same as intimacy within a relationship. Whether it be with a spouse, a parent, a child, sibling, or close friend. You're making the effort to connect with God. Anyone can have this connection with God. But to get to this point... It takes daily dedication and sacrifice. Romans 8 also talks about deep intercession. Prayer is the key to reaching this. Kristen and I talked about this in the podca- in the last podcast also. Just a little side note to add to the last three podcasts. 
which by the way, you don't have to listen to them in order, but probably would be better if you listen to them that way. The first one that starts this topic is number one, when God says wait, number two, pending promises, and number three, have a little talk with Jesus. This week is about a prayer warrior way of thinking. When I was a little girl, I always thought that a prayer warrior was someone the pastor anointed or either appointed to that position. Until I was around 14 years old, I also thought that only seasoned saints and women could be prayer warriors. I don't feel like this is true now. I do feel like prayer warrior women are powerful in their own right. But if you meet a man who can get God's attention through intercession, it is pretty powerful. And I feel like my pastor is one of those people. I found this quote and I thought it best described a prayer warrior. It says a prayer warrior woman moves mountains so that others have a path to follow. They fight for what is right wherever the need. They teach so that others may be taught. And uh, it's written by someone unknown. But this quote is so true. I feel like as a prayer warrior, you can definitely move mountains and create a path for others to follow. Uh, Webster's Dictionary says that a prayer warrior is one who takes part in spiritual battles through prayer, interceding for others and praying for God's will to be done in all things. You don't just wake up one day and decide, okay, um, today I'm going to be a prayer warrior. That's, that's just a title. It's not something that you can just decide you're going to be. Becoming a prayer warrior to me is a calling and it, it takes dedication. And I really feel like God will let you know when he calls you to it. It's, it's just a special connection. It's not just something that you do. It's the same thing with any career path you take. You don't just decide you're going to be a doctor or a teacher by just saying it. You have to work hard and go to school. When I was probably anywhere from 14 to 16, I felt like God was calling me to become a prayer warrior. I really feel like he called me to it from a young girl, but I was a late bloomer. I sort of drug my feet on everything, I guess. I didn't receive the Holy Ghost until I was 13, and from that moment I felt a special urging from the Lord. I wasn't sure what it was at the time, but as I got older and began to cultivate my prayer life, God began to show me things and use me in different ways. I wish so much that I would have had someone who could have helped me understand what it was I was feeling. I had no idea until I was in my early 20s. I'm not sure who this is for, but I just feel like somebody is in a place of uncertainty what God's calling is to do and what his calling is for you and I just have one word for you pray I know I've said it a lot but prayer is really the answer even when it doesn't make sense prayer works I found an article about prayer warrior women and ways to cultivate your calling you can find it on praywithconfidence.com it is a wonderful article and I'm going to talk about six of the seven steps in the article and how I applied them to my personal prayer time. Number one, pray daily. And here it is again. This is very important. Even I have been guilty of not praying daily. But if you make the effort and set aside some time for God every day, it will change your life. Number two, pray fervently. And the Oxford Dictionary defines fervent as having or displaying a passionate intensity. So pray with passion. Pray boldly. My pastor is always urging us to pray out loud and to be bold in our prayers. And I've already mentioned this, but it is so important. 
Number three, pray without ceasing. First Thessalonians 5 and 17. This is so important that there's a whole scripture dedicated to it. And that's all it says is pray without ceasing. But if you look at the New Living Translation, it says never stop praying. And they don't mean to literally never stop praying. It it means truthfully we can't pray every, you know, we can't pray every second of every day. It's just not possible. But what this scripture means is a continued connection with God. Don't shut God out. Every moment of your life should be open to God. We can't hide anything from God anyway, but there should be nothing to hide from Him. And number four, pray with expectation. And this word means a strong belief that something will happen. So pray with faith. When you go into a prayer meeting, with the expectation that God is going to do it, you're building up your faith. You're allowing your faith to take a walk. And when you allow your faith to see it, you can have it. Your faith becomes evident and real. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, All that I have seen teaches me to trust the Creator for all I have not seen. And right now, you were listening to me. You didn't even think about it. You just knew if you hit play on this episode, you could hear it. And that's how praying with expectation works. You go into the prayer meeting with the expectation God is going to answer your need. I did a 52-day fast and I slept on the floor. And I wanted to do it for myself. But the first night I put my Bible under my pillow and I had a picture of my brother in it. And God dealt with me about him and his wife. I think I've talked about them before, but I don't remember how much I told. You see, they were away from God for 13 years. And if I'd gotten down on my pallet every night with the thought, I don't know why I'm doing this, it's not going to work. I would not be sitting on the pew next to them every service. I wouldn't be shouting and praising God with them. They would still be away from God. But you see, I went into the fast with the expectation of faith that God was going to meet my need, and He did. One thing that I started doing in my personal prayer time is praising God first for all He has done for me. I do this before I ever ask Him for anything else. And what this practice will build is your faith. You start listing off the things he has already done for you and faith will start to rise within you. You should really try it. I'm telling you, it works every time. Step number five says pray and act when God sends you. This one is not always easy, but it is very, very important. I used to freak out with this part of my calling. Sometimes God will tell you to do something that you don't want to. Like, for example, if you've ever been in church with me, when the Holy Ghost starts moving, I get loud and lively. Laugh out loud. It used to embarrass me so badly, I started suppressing it. I tried to control it, but I learned real quick I couldn't do that for long. The devil would sit on my shoulder and tell me I was disturbing others if I prayed too loud. So I started holding back on my prayer meetings until, at times, I couldn't anymore. You see, this is why I keep on saying... Be careful when you ask God to use you and give you gifts. You don't get to choose, God chooses. And when he does give them to you, you must always be obedient. When I finally decided to let God lead me and use me however he wanted to, that's when I began to see things happen in my life. Promises started getting fulfilled. And I received healings and miracles in my body. Listen for God's voice and do whatever he is calling you to do. Number six is pray through your fear. Fear can be very controlling, I know, because I allowed it to control me for years. God did not give us the spirit of fear. He gave us power to overcome fear and darkness, sickness, and anxiety. 
So when that spirit of fear rises up in front of you, rebuke it. Remember, fear has no place in your life. I hope these tips have been helpful to you. Remember, to pr- remember, prayer is the key. If you want results in your situation, pray about it. Ask God to give you wisdom and understanding. I've asked God many times to lead me to a scripture passage or give me wisdom and understanding of one I can't make sense of. And he does it every time. You may not be getting the answers you want most, but remember God knows best. Doesn't this sound familiar? That's because the key to all aspects of your life is prayer, Bible reading, and dedication to God. It can help you during hard times. It can help you step into the calling God has placed on your life. Pastor Robinson just preached about it. Right in the middle of spiritual victory, you still fight resistance. I felt the resistance during prayer meeting tonight. If the devil can shut you up before you usher in God's anointing, he eventually can shut you up completely. And uh, as I said before, I'm recording this on a Sunday night, but this was last Monday night where I literally could feel the devil just trying to push down the anointing of God. Philippians 4 and 6 says, Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. I'm not sure what version this is, but I loved it. Don't worry, God is in control. He sees everything and he will answer. It may not always be the answer you want, but he will answer. Joshua 1 and 9 says, Haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I read something somewhere, and I don't remember where, but it said God has emotions too. And this scripture made me think about that. When you are hurting, God is hurting too. When you're happy... God can feel the joy. The article I was reading was talking about how when Lazarus had died, Jesus wept. And again, when the multitude came to him and cried out in need, he had compassion for them. The Bible says we are created in the image of God. When God created the earth and all that was in it, God was lonely. So he created man in his image. Over and over again in the Bible, it talks about God wanting a relationship with us. You see it in a family. We as humans desire a relationship with others. We want to be acknowledged and wanted. We want to be loved. It's the same way with God. God wants prayerful intimacy with us. When I think about God seeking our attention, I see my nieces and nephews, they are always trying to get my attention. The oldest one is 16, so she doesn't try as much anymore. But the other three are 7, 4, and 2. And they all want me to do something now. But there's only one of me. So I have to tell them no sometimes and it just about breaks my heart. That's how I see God. He asked, He's asking us to give him just a few moments of our time. But we are too busy. You see, he doesn't have to divide his time between us. He can meet my need at the same time that he's meeting yours. But we have to be willing to give him the chance. To reach your full potential, you can't shut out God. A prayer warrior way of thinking means you give up a lot of personal time and things. So jump into God's Humvee and let him navigate your life. And I talked about this in a past episode. So it may look like an African safari for part of the trip, but sometimes there are little winding roads with deep inclines. And you may have lions and tigers chasing you or gorillas shaking you up, but you're riding with Jesus. And laugh out loud, I know it's kind of funny to describe like this, but you need to picture it in some way to see the full picture. 
And this is what I see in my head, so I figured I'd share it with y'all. So I hope you have a great week and a happy Monday. And I'm going to end with a little fun fact about the first prayer warrior mentioned in the Bible. Y'all have a great day and a great Thanksgiving. Fun fact about the first prayer warrior mentioned in the Bible. Did you know the first mention of intercession in the Bible was in Genesis 18? And it was by a man, too. It's when Abraham intercedes on behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah. The people of these cities were very wicked in the eyes of God, and sadly, none of them survived. Only Lot and his daughters did. But even they were corrupted by the atmosphere they lived in. You can't live in filth and not get dirt on you. Lot's wife couldn't let go of the cities, so she became a pillar of salt. And the Bible isn't clear whether Lot's wife was covered in the salt that drained down with the brimstone or if her remains were dusted with a coating of salt later. But it is interesting that she is described as a pillar. The Hebrew for pillar refers to a garrison or deputy. That is something said to watch over something else. And the image of Lot's wife standing watch over the Dead Sea area where to this day no life can exist is a poignant reminder to us not to look back or turn back from the profession of faith we have made. And I read this this little article on gotquestions.org and thought it was so interesting. Another fun fact is the Dead Sea was once a lush and very fertile area before in the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Today, it is filled with salt. You can't even swim in it for very long because of its density. If you were to go and visit today, there is a salt formation named Lot's Wife. A reminder to never look back, to always look forward. Fun fact number three is brimstone comes from the late Old English term brine or either brin, and it's spelled with a Y, and it means burning stone. But if you look up the word brine with an I, it is called a Middle English word, and it's taken from the word brine with a Y. But when you look at the meaning of it with an I, it means saturated with salt. Lot's wife could not let go of the city, so she became a part of it. So a reminder of the day, don't get salty. Not only does it weaken you, but it breaks you down.